Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam Hurley, and I am joined this week by two incredibly special people, the first of which made a very bold claim, the boldest claim that I've heard on a podcast in years. He basically called out a girl that had been on our podcast, has hosted an episode of our podcast, called her out and said, I reckon me and her have the same taste in movies. That person was Dory. How are you doing, Dory? I'm about a 7 out of 10 nervous right now, because I said this blind after Emily Higgins being mentioned in a few podcasts. (laughs) But since I've actually done a little bit of homework and listened to Emily's podcast, and now I think she's fucking crazy. (laughs) So So, yeah, the the person you hear laughing is Emily Higgins. (laughs) Hello, Emily. How are you? Are you fucking crazy? Who was the team? It was you. Who was the team of people that wanted to be renamed? Oh, come on, Emily, my podcast. It was you. Oh, it wasn't. Oh, the We Watch the Thing the guys. It was We Watch the Thing guys. Yeah. yeah. So Dory can join them. You can join them <laughs> in being concerned about every episode that comes out. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but how are you doing, Emily? What's happening? What's going on? I mean, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm recording. This is my first record, not in the closet. She's come out of the closet. Come out I've of the closet. It. I've come out of the closet and I've tested to make sure the sound would be good before I came on this illustrious podcast and like ruined it with like echoey noises. Thank you. So yeah, as you guys can tell by the name of this podcast, we are doing an episode on The Gentleman came out in 2019, starring Matthew McConaughey as Michael Pearson, Charlie Hunnam as Ray, Michelle Dockery as Rosalind Pearson, Jeremy Strong as Matthew. Uh, Colin Farrell is coach, Henry Golding is dry eye, Tom Wu is Lord George, and Hugh Grant, almost unrecognizably, as Fletcher. Anywho, um, we're going to go through the usual stuff that we do at the start, the first of which is the plot. Now, normally we get whoever's watched it the most recently to give a plot of the film. Who's watched it the most recently? I was the first to watch it. Yes, you were. I don't know the plot, but I'll tell you what happened. Go. Okay. I thought it was another movie in the Kingsman series. It turns out it wasn't, but the poster is just a lot of white guys. And so Matthew McConaughey is American and he owns a weed business and all these British guys want the weed business. So they all start going behind his back and trying to get his business from him so that he can retire. And then there's tricksters and Hugh Grant is like, hey, I got secrets. Is that... Succinct. That's mm, interesting. <laughs> so everybody's double crossing. That's yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, that moves us over to the scores for the film. Uh, IMDb have it at seven point nine out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes seventy five percent. Metacritic at fifty one percent. So quite well beloved across the board, except for Metacritic, a little bit low, but that's pretty standard for Metacritic. And what we normally do is normally give our scores now, but we're not going to do that. We are instead going to start with the first of our questions that can be applied to any question. Uh, and yeah, basically after those questions, we move into our personal questions and finish on a new Patreon question. If we've got one, I'm waiting for an email from the guy. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll come in while we're doing this <laughs> podcast. Haven't seen that yet. But anyway, yeah, the first question that we start off with is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film. At least we're giving it a score under 5,000, and then we give it one thing bad, one thing good, one thing bad. And because I want to see if these two match up, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go ahead of you guys. I'm going to build the suspense and see if Emily Higgins is Dory, because I know where Dory stands on this film. He has had an erection for it for the past couple of weeks that I will, he will not shut up about. 
and keeps trying to prod me in the ear with, and I'm I'm sick of hearing about it. Sick of that erection. I'm glad I'm wearing headphones right now. He's trying to do it again. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to go through my one first. So basically, I'm giving it a compliment sandwich. I think good. It's a well-woven story. You know, we don't really know what's going to happen. There's lots of plots and schemes, and it's generally twisty. Uh, my bad thing is the first 45 minutes are a real slog for me. I like my wife and her sister gave up watching. They were like, nah, we're done. Can't be bothered with this. And then uh, final good thing. Yeah, there's some really interesting performances from characters that you wouldn't expect. Like Hugh Grant plays a role that I've never seen him in. Charlie Hunnam is bearable, which is pretty good for Charlie Hunnam. Even um, Matthew McConaughey is, does something different. Yeah, different? Well, not really, actually. He's, <laughs> he doesn't take his shirt off. And he, wait, he Matthew McConaughey's a drug dealer in this one? <laughs> yeah. Really? Hang on a second. Wait a minute. Let me take this back. Matthew McConaughey's fine. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. What about, I uh, will give our scores at the end after we've given our sandwiches as well. What about you, Dory? Why don't you tell us your compliment sandwich for this? Well, as you preluded to, I really enjoyed this. My first compliment is that this movie is fun. Like, it's got lots of cringy, funny, what the fuck just happened moments like that. It sort of just snaps into it, and you sort of just sit there, take a second to digest, then you laugh at sort of how they made it something very serious, very humorous, and then you move on to the next incident. Uh, the bad thing is that this movie is effectively narrated by Hugh Grant, and much like your criticism, the thir- first 30 minutes is a bit of a slog as he sort of outlines the relationships and storytelling and just sort of sets the scene for what is about to become a great movie. But if you, I talked to a few friends and a lot of people shared Stacy and her sister's issue that they didn't get through that first bit. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, well, you missed out because it was worth it. And it, it all gets tied together in a bow later on, but it is, it is a slog. Final compliment is that they spared no expense in casting on this film. Like, you know, a lot of big names, a lot of recognized names. And some people may criticize it for this, like, having a lot of people that we already have preconceived perceptions as to what they should be or who they are. But I think it worked, and I just, I really liked it. Interesting. On to the enigma, the mystery, the puzzle that is Emily Higgins. What do you think, Emily? I'm going to give it a barf sandwich. (laughs) Yes! An anger sandwich. Here's the first bad thing. looks. Everyone looks the same. And has the same, has dumb names. I didn't know who's who. And then I tried to read the Wikipedia and the Wikipedia description only has the character names and doesn't put their names in parentheses. So I just scroll down and look in the parentheses. I didn't understand. And honestly, though, I will say, Dory, you talking about it getting better does restructure it a little bit for me because I think I was so mad the first 45 minutes not knowing what was happening and not understanding anyone and being angry that I clocked out. So I'm going to try to think about it a little nicer. But I just truly was like, who are these people? Uh, good thing. It was fun. There were fun parts. Uh, I liked Henry Golding's outfits. I liked elements. Like, it wasn't all bad. There are scenes that I'm still thinking of. And bad thing, I don't understand why we all care about Matthew McConaughey's drug business. Like, was this set in the past? Yeah. Because... Oh, because I was like, aren't there a million drug businesses you could buy? Like, why this guy's? Like, go steal a different one. Why do we want his? Nobody else in England is has a drug empire? Start your own. There's a lot of plot holes, but I mean, I think- Or plot holes? Pot holes. I think he had a monopoly on, on the weed 
side of the business. And if you try to go in maybe as like competition, it gets a little bit messier than just trying to do a clean transaction and just buying it. Right. I get they're on an island, so I guess it's yeah. smaller supply. All right. It's a, sm- it's a very small island as well. Like England is actually a very small country. There's not a lot of places to grow weed, especially because it's a like got some of the worst weather for growing at such an exotic plant as well. See, why didn't Hugh Grant say that in his eight thousand words? <laughs> he probably did. It was just hard to understand. Him. <laughs> That's not his accent. That's not his accent. That's not Hugh Grant. I love Hugh Grant. No, he Should put a geezer accent on. That's not anyone's accent. That's fucking. <laughs> he did that on purpose. Oh, that's that that's great. Hugh Grant is so top cast, and I love that he was different in this one because I heap shit on him all the time. Yeah, he's a slimy gay like private investigator. Right? Was he gay? Oh, was he, he gay? gay? <laughs> I didn't get that. Oh, you don't get it where he asked Ray if he can go to bed with him. Yeah, but and then I'm, says to Ray, "Oh, if you don't let me, I'm going to be outside in your bushes jacking off, basically." Yeah, but I'm not gay, and I've when fucked a lot of guys happen? that are. <laughs> Okay, fine, fair enough. Like he might be bisexual, but yeah, no, that was just that's just banter for me. That's just standard, like just what you say to the boys and see if you get a reaction, sort of shit. Yeah, and you say that shit to me all the time, but I've never seen you that crestfallen afterwards when I turn you down. Mm. So there's other guys out there. (laughs) That's true. You're not fussy. Uh, Anyway, what about our scores out of ten thousand dope businesses or dope plants? Ten thousand dope plants. I, I let's do it in ounces. Ounces, okay. okay. I give it 8,700 ounces of weed. It's the best movie I've seen in a long time. I struggled to actually think of the last time I watched a movie and walked away so satisfied and like surprised as to how much I enjoyed it. Sometimes you get a good movie, but you know it's going to be good, and that sort of ends up affecting your opinion because you're like, don't, it kind of didn't quite hit the spot where I thought it was going to go. Yeah. Zero expectations going into this, and was very pleasantly surprised. What I loved about it was you told me that this is the best film you've seen since Joker. And Emily hates the Joker. And Emily hates Joker, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I messaged Emily, and I and we were joking about how Emily likes to send all caps messages back. She sent all caps back. Joker! Joker! <laughs> That's how I express myself. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in next. I'm going to give it like 7,500 ounces. An enjoyable time. But yeah, that was me. I can't wait to hear what you've got, Emily. Let's let's shut me up right now. I'm gonna say thirty eight hundred. Oh, you gonna go thirty eight? Thirty eight hundred. You've killed Dory. Because there you've were killed- parts. There were three thousands worth of things that I enjoyed. There were really good parts mixed amongst things I didn't understand. <laughs> Excellent. I can't hold it against against her that she couldn't quite comprehend the movie. Like. <laughs> If I had had subtitles, it might have made a difference, but I didn't, and here we are. I've got a question about that later, so I'll save my comment around that till we get into that. Uh, let's move on to our next questions. Question number two. What is it there, Dory? What item from this film would you want or definitely not want to be? I love that little paperweight. I love tiny things that should be big. I follow multiple Instagram accounts. that are miniatures being just tiny little donut, tiny little chair. So there's a tiny little gun. That's a real gun, but it's also a paperweight. Best part of the movie. Wait, Sam? No, oh, I didn't write it down. I was trying to. <laughs> I did a bit of did a bit of research on that gun because that was my thing too. Oh wow! Maybe you guys are in sync. That's yeah, impressive. that gun. It was. It got bought in and just sort of at the start of the movie, it was acknowledged, but not really gone into really where it came from, why it was there. Yeah. But 
geez, it was funny when it came out. And especially when they announced that she's like, oh, it's only got two shots and there's three people in the room and she successfully kills two people with the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's left to rue the decision of actually explaining that it only has two bullets in it. Exactly. Like, why would you <laughs> let them know that? The one for me, I mean, I've already mentioned it. I don't want to be that bush outside Ray's window. The one that's jacking off in? Yeah, the one he's going to be, oh, I'm going to be outside your bushes. <laughs> I don't want to be that bush. Fuck that bush. That's what bushes oh, are no, for. Wait, he's going to fuck that bush. That's why I don't want to be that bush. I feel like he was going to do that to the bush anyway, like regardless of what happened with humans. Exactly. That was just his evening plan. Um, so can we give it a little passing mention for Ray's deep freeze? Oh. Like, oh, you don't want to be... The, I don't so- want to be Ray's deep freeze. Like, it looks like it's multi-purpose. Like, it keeps the keeps the Wagyu steaks. It keeps a, a lot of food, but also corpses. Yeah. Um, so could you imagine going out and like, honey, can you just go get me some uh, mints or hamburger? From the uh, deep freeze. <laughs> and, you know, just the things you'd see in there. Yeah, exactly. Like, like on one hand, you have some highly expensive steaks hanging out inside of you, but then you also have an, a murdered Russian kid. Yeah, exactly. Who's been splattered on the ground. Yeah, your life wouldn't be all that good. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Moves us over to question number three. What is it there, Emily? What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? We've kind of already mentioned it, but I was quite curious as to why she didn't just shoot Henry Golding's character, Dry Eye. You know, she's got two shots. She shot the first guy with the first one, and then she could have just shot him with the second one. You know, like, there's no situation there. Like, you've already murdered someone. You're already in a shitty circumstance. Yeah, good point. So I already cheated and DM'd you about this, Sam, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to pose it as a question to all of us. Is Matthew McConaughey a good actor? Like, do we like watching him, or is he just there and we're not mad? He is the expert of talking slowly and holding a pause with a Texan draw. He was in that movie Mud that got a lot of critical acclaim that was fine. He's just, I'm never like, oh no, but it's not, he's never bringing something new to the table. I always compare him with Nicolas Cage and sort of think that those two swapped careers at some point. Like, Matthew McConaughey was just, like, this doing this horrible romantic comedies and these horribly shitty films, while Nicolas Cage was yeah. winning Oscars and doing these great films. And then it was just like they swapped, and then Matthew McConaughey is suddenly doing Dallas Buyers Club and True Detective and all this other shit, and oh, it's getting universally one. praised for, like, a lot of the stuff he's doing. For me, like, he's, he's kind of take it or leave it. Like, I certainly enjoy him in some things, but then when one of our worst patrons that we've ever had re- makes us watch the film Serenity, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Uh, <laughs> I definitely don't think he's worth his price. Like, what yeah, he would yeah. cost to get in a movie. He's pretty... Right. Like, his best acting is when he's saying nothing at all and just sitting there with his awkward, you know, strong, silent-type pause. All right, all right, all right. Because yeah, he's, never, he's never a chatter in any of his movies, right? He's just a man of few words. Yeah, he's never like a quick-speaking... Sort of engaging, charismatic dude, really. Eh? No, no, and that's that's part of the part of the charm, I think. But at the same time, when it's roll after roll after roll, yeah. you start to think like, is he acting or is that just him? Anywho, what's your one? <laughs> ah, I got a good one for this. I thought about the premise of how he set up his weed empire through corrupting nobles in the UK. Yeah, right. So, for those of you who haven't seen the film, he disguises his his uh, growing areas by using all these huge uh, allotments given to nobles in the UK, but that struggle to pay their bills. Estates, yeah. Estates, that's the correct word I'm looking for. Now, 
this is the nobility sort of aspect of England's kind of unique. Like we don't really have it here in New Zealand. I don't think you really have it in the states. Like where you sort of just get born into into greatness. But there's no well, you know, you get born into lands and titles. Yeah, yeah, and you don't money. get born into titles. Yeah, you're right. Like, um, the Rockefellers and Kennedys are probably the closest thing. Well, that's to different. America, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, each each successful family has its own empire. Yeah, and yeah, yeah regardless. Yeah. There's all these people that are struggling to pay their bills, but trying to keep up the f- facade of being very well-to-do. And just with lately with some bit of news, maybe a bit of Prince Philip stuff going on. Oh, God, a little bit of, going to go? <laughs> I thought it's too good of an idea to just be made up. That I think oh. there is something to this, that these people... They do struggle, some of them, to keep up with the management of their estates. and Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. they a lot of them run tourist sort of uh, like showings through their estates. So people come through, pay a fee, have tea and scones, and leave. Yeah. I think these people are so, like, got so much pride and ego that they would do anything to maintain that status. Yeah. And that it's perfectly conceivable that you could corrupt them with something like this. I reckon I reckon you're right. Like in like Guy Ritchie came up through the streets as well. Yeah. Like he 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 knows some dodgy people. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually does know of something similar to this actually happening. That's exactly what I mean. Like I think that it's too good of an idea. It's too I just thought about it and thought that is genius. So genius it's probably true. Interesting. So, we're all going to move there and start our business. Right? Yeah. yeah. Start blackmailing the land of gentry. I can't wait. Mm. Uh, that moves us over to question number four, which is the first of our Patreon questions. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Dave Baker. Dave has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a ton of awesome, awesome content, of which I will put a link in the show notes. So what Dave would like to know is which two characters from this film would you guys want with you at your house party? I'm going to lead in with Fletcher, Hugh Grant's character. He is slimy, but he is witty and he's funny. Yeah. And I just think he's the type of guy that would take over a house party and everyone would be like that guy's awesome yeah you know would they i mean he's on my list as well because i think he's got he's gonna have some stories yeah uh, but you want him to leave before he finds your bush basically he would captivate the room for sure yeah yeah. and as we saw through the movie not much really phases him he's pretty um he rolls with the punches very resourceful yeah so he's number one uh everyone's gonna say this but Coach, Colin Farrell. You're just reading my answers. I uh, I 100%. He is, I think, we'll probably get into this later on, but his role is one of the best in this whole movie. Like, he makes you giggle every time he says something. Some of his dialogue and chats with other characters, it reminded me of The Lobster, and that is the best movie ever. The the one Colin Farrell where he becomes a lobster. Where he has to decide if you, because I think yeah, the, the premise of that movie he's is going to become a lobster. If yeah. you don't get married, you have to choose which animal you get turned into, and he chooses a lobster. Oh yeah, I know that. I didn't realize you liked that one. Oh, oh it's such a good movie. Okay. I spent the first two hours going, "What the fuck?" And then, <laughs> that, that movie. Then I got into it, and I was like, "I get it now. This is actually supposed to be as stupid as it is." Uh, mine. I said Hugh Grant, yes, because he seems like he's fun. He can like have a chat. You can have a nice time talking at the. Be- you want to talk to him at the beginning of the party, and then you want to move on. Yeah. yeah, because he's gonna keep you. And then I said Michelle Dockery because she's the only lady. And when I first saw the cast, I was like, "The only lady is Michelle Dockery. I don't care about her at all." 
I was truly so adrift without a lifeboat that I was just like, oh, you, thank God, someone. <laughs> you just like her because she's got ovaries. It was the, that was the... <laughs> well, I could understand what she was saying. Oh, yeah. And, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had the same story. Fletcher, he'd have some great stories. Coach, he's, he's kind of a dick, but he's only a dick to those that deserve it sort of thing. So he's not like aggressively angry or rude and like all the other characters like matthew mcconaughey boring jeremy strong's character matthew boring dry eye i don't want fucking dry eye at my party i don't know why anyone would at dry eye at their party party no nah, they dude needs to chill out eh? yeah, yeah he's fucking way too aggro. he's high strung yeah very high strung. coach is gonna bring children to your party though like a bunch of teens are gonna show up and crash it yeah and you wouldn't fight them to get rid of them no it's true no, no but i'm not necessarily saying they're gonna have this at my house like this is the party i'm gonna have at dory's house so i'd invite coach okay. and all his crew so they could like smash the shit out of dory's house yeah <laughs> and video it and make a rap video exactly yeah. just fucking destroy it there we go uh anywho that misses over to our next patreon question which comes courtesy of julio of the contrarians podcast julio and his friend alex rage against the rotten tomatoes machine so they will argue why a universally beloved film is crap and then they sort of offer their true thoughts in the second part of the podcast awesome podcast you guys should all check out there'll be a link down in the show notes i'm going to be on an upcoming episode we haven't worked out when but i'm going to go on to talk about Probably the best film from 1995, which is Mortal Kombat. Absolute beloved film. Love it. Perfect film, really. But, uh, what? <laughs> I'm getting into character, man. I'm getting into Contrarian's character. <laughs> Anywho, what would, uh, what would Julio like to know there, Dory? Uh, what is your most controversial opinion about this film? Mine is controversial because no one else had it because they didn't think that this movie was a Kingsman movie. I was furious when I saw the poster for this movie and the name. And I said, I don't need another Kingsman movie. Why is this happening? <laughs> and then it turns out it wasn't, but there is a Kingsman movie called The King's Man. And that's worse, but I'm still more mad at The Gentleman. So Ooh. The Gentleman had a lot of hate from me before I watched it. And I will admit that it was set up for failure. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Your controversial opinion is that it's <laughs> shit. No, her controversial opinion <laughs> is anything that has men in it, she doesn't like it. So, like, boys to men, hates those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of my brand. Yeah, a little bit, eh? A little bit. I got, I got one for you. I got a controversial okay, opinion. Yours? That this is Hugh Grant's best movie ever. <gasps> ever. Like, <gasps> by a country mile. Like, Hugh Grant was never going to win an Oscar. But he might for this. Two weeks notice where he's Sandra Bullock's boss and he just is out of touch with the people because he's so rich. And he just plays the same rich fucking asshole that's oblivious to the, to the, usually the PA or assistant that falls in love with him. And he's oblivious and he's an asshole, but she can tolerate his assholeness. And then eventually she gets frustrated, leaves. He realizes what he was missing and then chases after her and they fall in love. Yeah, name name the movie. Everything. Name wait, the wait, movie. Is that the plot of every Hugh Grant movie? Every Hugh Grant movie, <laughs> except for this one, where he's just an absolute slimy, skeezy, conniving critter. Yeah, he is. He's an absolute critter. And as soon as he came on, I was like, oh, fuck Hugh Grant. I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> and I wanted to hate him. Much like, much like Emily wanted to hate the movie, I wanted to hate him. But every time he had a line, I just went like, you little asshole, that's great. And he just kept growing on me to the point where I sort of wanted him to be get away with everything scot-free, and I, I was sort of rooting for him by the end of it. I was too. You can't dislike Hugh Grant. It doesn't matter what he's done. You can't. You can. 
I just didn't. No. Not this time. He, he sort of reminds me of Saul in Biblical Saul. Like, he's just sort of like slimy, punching upwards, ah, trying yeah. his hardest. That's a great, that, that's exactly what he's like. You're like Jimmy McGill. Jimmy McGill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny, as much as you say all that stuff about Hugh Grant, my controversial opinion is that there's no likable characters in this film. I legitimately do not like anybody that pops up in this film. Every single one of them just feels annoying and like excessively mean to people just for the sake of it. Come on, Ray, is, he doesn't offend anyone. He does a good job of just managing a whole no, lot of big he egos. Just, he just bees a dick the whole time. Does he, though? Yeah, he just, like, treat, like Fletcher's showing up and trying to be nice to him. Oh, fuck you, Fletcher. <laughs> trying to be nice to him, like, by extorting him for $20 million and you expect him to be, yeah. like, hospitable. <laughs> well, <laughs> the guy's trying to rip him off for $20 million. He cooks him a fucking steak. That's true. Anywho, that moves us over to our next question, which comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins. Emily runs the Tasteless Podcast, a podcast in which she... <laughs> Tell us about it, Emily. I can't even finish that. We'll keep on serious. Please. I I compare two movies. I take a less... I take a beloved movie, a movie that you know and that you've seen, and I say, look, if you like that movie, here's a different movie that I like that you should watch because it's better. So. so, for instance, this week, Emily argued for Gladiator being shit compared to A View from the Top, the Gwyneth Paltrow film a that no one remembers. No. Uh, that Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow, Paltrow openly admitted being her fucking worst film. <laughs> well, look, she's said a lot of her films were her worst film, okay? Do you think she's but just Gwyneth. highest cut? On the vagina candles? Oh, the vagina. Those candles are $75. I listened to this podcast the other day about this chick fucking waxing on about vagina candles. (laughs) I listened to a podcast about a girl talking about vagina candles. Do you like waxing on about vagina candles? Yeah, she's waxing on about how she wants one, but she wants some vagina candles. Yeah, Yeah, I know. And that's what she wants to spend her hard-earned money on. I haven't yet, and that should be commended. (laughs) Can you do it? I think there should be some sort of like a periscope or something of you like, with the vagina candle? It's so, it's so <laughs> strange. Like, it would be so embarrassing to say, like, I actually bought, like, is anyone lighting them in their homes and someone's like, what's that candle you have burning? Oh, it's just Gwyneth's Orgasm. That's her yeah. new one. Are there yeah. different flavors? There's vagina and orgasm, both apparently specific to Gwyneth. And she, that, that's her scent. So she claims. Now, I'm going to start way- a Kickstarter just for you, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> the way I heard it is she smelled it and she was like, she wasn't like, let's make one that smells like my vagina. She smelled a candle and was like, that smells familiar. And that's what happened. Oh, right? God. <laughs> so I feel like it's a little bit of an embarrassing purchase, but I would be open if I bought one. Oh, wait, you've told me about the DVDs that you bought. They, uh, I don't think it's embarrassing whatsoever. <laughs> so, the, the wait, g- getting back to the candles, they're not vagina shaped or anything. Like, if you no, had one, they're... just regular candle. Like, I think they might say on them what they are, but I'm actually not even sure of that. I just saw seventy five dollars and was like, oh, it's not meant to be for me. But if you embarrassingly made that seventy five dollar purchase, yeah, and you had it sitting on your coffee table in your lounge, yeah, with the sticker sort of obscured somewhat, yeah. it would just be a candle. No one would be like, hey. Smegma can <laughs> <laughs> I don't I feel like you would have to tell people, right? Because you don't want to sit there both silently worried that they don't know it's a candle. I <laughs> Anywho <laughs> We've got off track. We've got off what track. the fuck Am are we I talking asking about? This question? Yeah, thanks for that description of your podcast, Emily. Um what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, what's your question, Emily? What have you got? Uh, which side character would make for the best spin-off movie? 
the most likable one for me was Coach, which was played by Colin Farrell. As I said, he's like, he's only a dick to people that deserves it. And he's like running the school of hooligans, really, and sort of taking them under his wing and teaching them how to be better fighters and video makers and all that sort of stuff, I guess. But uh, yeah, him. Yeah, Coach. 100%. I agree. Mm. He's a he's a crooked individual, but although he seems quite corrupt and he's a bit he's very handy at um fucking people's lives up when he gets called upon. But yes, yeah, I think that these guys, you know, if it wasn't for coach, they'd just be blindly leading themselves down a trail of destruction. Absolutely. What about you, Emily? I bet you think you know what I'm going to pick, and I'm not going to pick that. I'm not picking the one lady. I'm picking Henry Golding. Mr. Really, Mr. Okay. Dark Eye. Dry eye. Dry Dry eye. Uh, Because he's definitely a bad guy. But when he showed up, things started to get more interesting. And I want to see how he got to where he is. I feel like that would be a good, like, kind of godfathery type story. Maybe he was less of a jerk. Nah, I reckon he's always been a scumbag. There was a little bit of a montage about sort of how he got to where he is. Yeah, they could expand on that. Yeah. Um, moves us over to question number seven, also a Patreon question. This question comes to the amazing man that is Dan Brennick. Dan runs the Netflix and Swill podcast, podcast where they discuss all things Netflix related. He's going to be on an upcoming episode. And what Dan would like to know is at what point during this film would we have inserted the Blink-182 song, All the Small Things, into this film? I'm going to go with when Fahak, not fuck, <laughs> Fahak, he gets let out of the car boot. He's begging for his inhaler. They finally give him a puff on his inhaler. And, um, I love gag comedy. He takes off, runs away, they chase him. And just as he sort of gets confronted at the end, where he's at a dead end, Blink 182 come on with all the small things as he falls onto the railway tracks and gets run over by a train. <laughs> Makes sense. He would be very small after that. Mine is right after Michelle Dockery fires the first shot from her gun ah, because it was yes. kind of like a surprise. And I want that tense mo- moment broken. So it's like pop and everyone's like, oh my God. And then it's like, and you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> excitement. Finally, something's happening. See, oh, we'll get into that. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, for me, I wanted it right at the end after Fletcher's pitched his movie to Miramax. Yep. You know, it's just it sort of plays on the commercialism of America invading into England. So, yeah, I, I would have gone for that, just sort of playing when he's rolling out of Miramax. Do you think it was a joke that the studio was in Miramax? What, taking the piss out of Weinstein? Yeah, like, why was that the studio he pitched at? There must have been question. something to it. Well, that was one of my other sort of deep philosophical debates, because Miramax is very closely associated with Quentin Tarantino and all of his films, and there's quite a lot of Tarantino-esque things in this, like oh. shots out of the boot of the car... You know, when you're it, talking about fuck. One thing fuck. we haven't touched on, and it's my probably my only critique or criticism of this movie, is that they borrowed a lot of themes from a lot of different film and, and series franchises. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, the fucking of the pig? Like, I straight away went to Black Mirror. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. We just, you can only do that once. That's right. Like, it's been done. Like, yeah, exactly. someone got blackmailed with a video of them fucking a pig. No, yeah. they did it again. Yeah. Okay, moves us over to question number eight. What is it there, Dory? Question number eight. What character do you wish had got punched in the dick? Because his hair was stupid, Colin Farrell. I didn't like it. I didn't like his vibe. I didn't like his tracksuit. I didn't like his weird shape of his facial hair with his head hair made a bad oval. I legitimately can't remember his hair. All I can remember is that little cheese cutter hat that he was wearing the entire time. Yes, yeah. Uh, Fletcher? 
Why not? Yeah, Fletcher deserved to be punched in the dick. He, he deserved at least some sort of repercussion aside from, like, scarpering, you know? Yep. Getting locked in a chiller or whatever and then scarpering, that's all that happened to him. Yeah, fair enough. Or, or that we know about. I've got a question about that later. I went with um, Rosalind. What? The only f- dick. The only female in this movie. A, it would have been funny if she got punched in the dick because no one would have seen that coming, that she had a dick in the first place. <laughs> like, it would have been a fucking massive plot that? twist if she had a dick. Secondly, <laughs> she's fuck? kind of overly flirtatious in this movie, like where Mickey Mickey loves her to bits, right? Like, and she is his kryptonite. Like they they reference it in the movie that if you want to get to a man, go through his wife. Yeah, and but she doesn't seem to share the same infatuation that he has with her. With him, she seems very sort of comfortable on her own. And I just thought this guy's laying down everything for you, and you're just sort of like. Oh, about time you showed up to fucking save me from the, all these guys. I don't know. I just didn't like her. Okay. thought she was way too comfortable with everything. Anywho, that moves us over to question number nine. What is it there, Emily? What quote from this film would be the worst to hear straight after you finish having sex? I, there's, I've got two. I'm going to go with my number one. Last night I made a film with an impressively sized farmyard pig. That's one of those things you can't sort of... What about you? What would you... Uh, we went the same scene, but I just thought, just as soon as he comes to, and I think I need to preface this that, you know, you need to be in that situation, but just waking up out of like a drug-induced sort of slumber and being told, hey, don't worry, there's wet wipes over your left shoulder and your clothes are folded neatly in the corner <laughs> would oh, no. be a very awkward way to wake up. Fair enough. What about you, Emily? A little Mickey quote. If you were standing on my bush, you wouldn't know it. As a matter of fact, you are standing on my bush. <laughs> that's good that's good my other one was uh you ever fuck with heroin <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, the backup for me was rosalind saying there's fuckery afoot yeah that was a good <laughs> one. Really, like, real was from like zero to six you'd be like oh no it's there this <laughs> <laughs> is down to the last question that you've applied to any film uh which is what scene from this film will you guys remember on your deathbed? We referenced it earlier. There's a, a mini gun that uh, she used to get herself out of a bit of a jam. And she shoots one of the henchmen in the head, like square in between the eyes and the forehead. And this tiny little sort of pinprick of blood starts to come out. And where Emily was going to insert the Blink-182, all the small things, because it's such a long, drawn-out scene. It's maybe he stands there for probably 30 to 40 seconds of sort of looking cross-eyed, looking up at the hole, everyone standing in suspense, waiting, is he dead? And it's this awkward tension that just slowly builds, like, because nothing fucking happens. He just stands there and yeah. eventually he drops dead. <laughs> and it's yeah, yeah. like, oh, that was cool. Like, has it actually pierced his skin? Has it got into his brain? Like, did there it just are, bounce there off are, his head? Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of, like, it just looked like such a pathetic hole that maybe it didn't actually get through it. He's just sort of like going, that was the best scene in the movie, but the one that I'll remember on my deathbed in anger is the projectile <laughs> barf. I don't like a barf in a life. I don't like a barf in a movie. I swear to God, one out of three movies has a barf in it. Why? Why is this the shared human experience we need to, especially comedies? Everybody's you never see someone barfing. doing a shit. <laughs> no, what? only bridesmaids. <laughs> yeah, only that's true. Bridesmaids is a great shitting too. scene. I think they have barf and diarrhea, so it's always barf. I don't think it's funny. I don't like it. Fair enough. Uh, my answer: none of these. Probably the Russian kid flying out the window. There was something about that scene, just the the build up, the suspense, where you thought, 
something's going to happen here. Something's going to go bad. This is a Guy Ritchie film. There's no way this is going to end well. You know, it's going a little too swimmingly. And he bounces. And he bounces, yeah. yeah. Flies out the window. You've got those other hoodlums hanging around outside, you know, talking about his car, trying to get his, like, his wheels and all that sort of stuff. I was like, there's no way this is going to go good. Anywho, that moves us down to our personal questions. Uh, first up is Emily. What do you got this week? All right. Who is another very boring white man who would fit seamlessly into this movie? Colin Firth. Yep. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> he is yep. boring and white. Yeah, talking about Kingsman, there he is, Colin Firth. I went for someone, boring is debatable, but very white, Rowan Atkinson. Ooh. I could see I could see Rowan Atkinson taking over Hugh Grant's role. And, yeah. Hey, he's got to, with this whole US-UK crossover, you've got to be like already famous in the US. You can't have anyone who's sort of UK famous or mm. it just won't sell. And Mr. Bean is Mr. fucking Bean, like. And he's done serious roles before and been really good at it. Like he can, he can get outside his um his shadow of w- what he's become known as. It's funny because I didn't realize so many other people around the world actually grew up on Mister Bean. Yeah, and and the another the meme I saw the other day was somebody saying, "Did you know there was only fifteen episodes of Mister Bean made in total? I feel like we had seven seasons of that shit." Was it really only 15 episodes? There was apparently only like 15 episodes made of it. And I remember watching all of them. Must have been like 70 times as a kid. Yeah. I don't. My Mr. Bean is Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, my God. Oh, let's not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Pee Wee He didn't do anything. He did what, so. What you do in a theater is your own business. Oh, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> the alphabet men would agree with that. Yeah, yeah Weinstein. That's what he said as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How have you not been arrested, eh? Every time you come on this podcast, I'm so surprised that the FBI don't arrest you immediately after I released an episode. Why aren't they? They should be tracking me, and they're not. They're doing. What about bad. the guy? What about the guy from Blues Clues? Have you got his back as well? No, isn't he? He did something bad, right? No, he didn't. He just had a mental breakdown. But it, I read his tough. book. It was he good. Was, he was, was talking good. to fake objects. What was he supposed to do? <laughs> My next question. If you could sell anything and own a massive operation like Matthew McConaughey, what would you want to sell? In the trying times that we exist in, I just thought if I had a hand sanitizer business at the moment, oh, yeah. like fucking what an <laughs> empire. Like, think how good Detol's doing right now. I just found some for the first time at a store and they had like a hundred of them. And I was like, oh, so everybody who bought it, who hasn't sold it is totally out of luck. Yeah, 100%. Like face masks, hand sanitizer. That's a good answer. I actually debated like toilet paper because that's another one that yeah. just went off the chain in terms of like demand. We still don't have it in the don't stores. You? What? No. I have one. I have one ply right now. I was going to say trickers. Ply. It was, it was three ply, but because of the times, she split them into <laughs> three different rolls. And you don't think her finger goes through every fucking time it does? <laughs> it's a gamble. <laughs> it's a gamble. Yeah. Oh, I composed myself. Yeah, I mean, toilet paper was one of them. But then I thought, like, why not do the opposite? If he's selling weed, why not do CBD oil? Well, that's not the opposite. That's go. exactly the same. No, no, no. But, like, but you know, like, like, one's the... high in THC, the other one's high in CBD. So I'd be the, the anti, the opposite of... Well, I mean, yeah, okay, they are effectively very similar, but I'd be on, on that wavelength. But rather than being, you know, the one that gets people stoned and driving the cows into walls or whatever the hell stone people do. You've got all the healing properties. I've got the healing properties. Yeah. I'm the one that people love. I'm the See, like the reason why they want to legalize it here in this country. You're touching on something here that sort of didn't wasn't really 
we haven't gone into it all, but how he gets on the moral high ground about being a weed dealer that he's not hurting anyone and yeah, and he's like the good guy, opposed to Prince George or was it sorry Lord George, Lord George, who's dealing heroin Smack and, and yeah, yeah yeah. I mean, he's got a point, but you're killing people to keep your empire going. How can yeah. you fucking look at yourself that you're exactly uh, like it's a harmless crime? Yeah, yeah. If you're murdering people, that's you know, way worse than actually like hundred percent. Like yeah, yeah. What about you? Well, you must have an opinion on this, Emily, because you've sold all different types of drugs, like illegal and legal. So, <laughs> well, what you, you, you live in you live in California. You've it's a different story. Yeah. I'm constantly trying to sell my old old DVDs because I'll like buy anything from a dollar bin and then be like, I don't want this in my home anymore. I've watched it and I'm furious. And no one wants that. No one wants a physical disc. I guess I don't know why. <laughs> in 2020. Man, it's almost like you can download movies off the internet now. It's almost, but then you can't touch them. That's true. The art. Stroke them. Yeah, that's what I do. All right. Next question. Very important. Which two dudes in this movie have the most sexual tension? It's definitely Matthew McConaughey's character of Michael Pearson. And you guys will think I'm going to say Matthew, played by Jeremy Strong. Nah, no way. It's dry eye. Yeah. there is some older, younger, top dom type stuff going on there that I don't want to get into too much while sitting in a room with you guys because it might have clear implications on our, our friendship. Uh, but <laughs> You're talking about like the dick crossing when they're deciding who's the king of the jungle? Yeah, that's, that's what like, I'm saying, man. It's like they're just one-upping each it other. It is a and dick like, measuring ooh, contest, ooh, yeah, eh? Like, ooh. like uh, honestly, man, if uh, somebody flipped the uh, lights off, they would be trying to work out exactly who the top dog is. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought uh, Fletcher and Ray had a pretty, like, mm. I didn't pick up on the um, openly homosexual vibes that you guys both did. <laughs> Even though he specifically says to him, I'm going to bed, can I come with you? Yeah, I just thought it was just sort of banter, like You're I right. say, like, just sort of like, am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, when you He's don't know. He's currently molesting like, my boob while talking to me, everybody. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, like gay chicken. Like, we've all done it. And, um, no, we haven't. <laughs> oh, just me then. But I've never lost. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, like, I just, their, their relationship, they, it doesn't really explain how they know each other, why they know each other. They're in completely different fields, but he's very at home at his home. Yeah. <laughs> Taking off his shoes. Yeah, like we've been there before. Eddie, yeah, straight away. Yeah, exactly. All the little etiquette rules. Like they feel like they've got a deep, dark sort of relationship that's maybe been touched on in the past. That... So you reckon they might have touched on each other before? I think so. I think, yeah. <laughs> Ray might have, yeah, opened up his deep freeze for him. What, and put some Russian dude in there? Uh, maybe just let him yeah, insert his Wagyu beef steak into. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I love a bit of steak. Yeah, a bit of Wagyu. Thanks, mate. Ah, uh, that's enough of that. Uh, let's move us over to uh, Dory's set of questions. What do you got there, Dory? Uh, Dory's questions. Hi, I'm Dory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be third person for the rest of the episode. Dory wants to know, what is the most irritating plot hole in this film? You must have a million, Emily. Mine, actually my biggest one... I addressed earlier because I couldn't hold it in, which was I didn't understand why everyone was so aggressive about weed. Like, he's he's not running a human trafficking ring. Like, are people really fighting over it? But the fact that they're, like, on an island, it's probably less... I don't know. Everybody was just so crazy. Like, I could see all of that happening over the Lord George and his smack business. But all these 
these weed salesmen killing each other? Yeah. Don't don't get it. Yeah, what? that's a good point. The one for me that absolutely pissed me off the most is I'm a steak guy. I love my steaks. They're up there on my fried chicken. <laughs> and and so they, like, we're talking about the Wagyu beef or whatever. He pulls it out of the freezer and then goes to chuck it on the grill and it's already defrosted. Yeah. That infuriated me. First of all, you don't cook a steak from frozen. That's just insane. That's just like being leave it out, let it like sit at room temperature for half an hour. Gonna sound like a massive steak wanker in about 10 seconds. Already am. But yeah, like I just, it infuriated me when they go to put it on the grill and it's like perfectly defrosted. I was like, what the fuck? What is this shit? Can I lead into why this question came up? Clearly you've seen something that you need to get something that just fucking bothered me. And I love this movie. But, okay. So they're narrating the story at the start. He takes his potential business purchaser to one of his fucking growing houses, right? It's the only one, only person he's showing, well, in the film, where a secret location is. Now, he's got multiple secret locations. There's dozens of these growing areas throughout the country. He takes them to a specific one. A week later, it gets raided by some gang of hooligans. And they spend the rest of the movie trying to figure out who fucking masterminded that. Like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. one guy. Yeah, it was yeah. like, I saw, it was like, uh, how about the guy you took it to, took him to see it last week? Like, it's so obvious that the puppet master is this one guy that's actually been to the joint. Like, yeah, exactly. Like the one guy that's trying to buy your business that's going to try and devalue your business. Yeah. And it's like they, they go through killing a whole lot of people and tracking down a whole lot of false leads to get to this point where they're like, oh, it's that guy. Like, no fucking shit. I don't know if that's as bad as cooking a frozen steak. It was like when I found out that every Scooby-Doo episode, it was the second character they introduced was always the bad guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, My yeah, sister yeah. told me this, and it wrecked Scooby-Doo for me for the rest of my life. I just couldn't do it anymore. Formulaic. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my next question is that UK-US crossover films usually suck. They don't do either of the comedy styles justice, but this one works. Why does it work? Emily. <laughs> Answer that one, Emily. Tell us why it works. Why does it work, Emily? Okay, because it's not a crossover. It's a British movie with Matthew McConaughey, and I bet Guy Ritchie was like, hey, buddy. I'm doing a British movie. You want to be a British guy? And then McConaughey is like, sure. And then he showed up to set and he was like, hi, I'm Matthew McConaughey in this movie. And they were like, that's not British. And he's like, well, this is what you get. Like, I don't think they, like, it's it's a British movie and Matthew McConaughey stumbled upon it. Okay. Like, it's not a crossover. It's funny because, like, Snatch, obviously, got another guy, Richie Film, in which an American plays one of the major roles, Brad Pitt. Yep. Favorite piece of trivia is apparently after Brad Pitt did Clear and Present Danger, which he had to have, like, an Irish accent in, the press and everyone just blasted him and said, it's, like, the worst accent I've ever heard, blah, 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 blah. So then when he went and did Snatch, he just basically tried to put on an accent where no one could understand a fucking word he was saying. Yep. And did it expertly. So, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's funny, like, cause, like when I read this question, I started thinking of other American films that end up in London, yep. you know, and like, or, or like the UK. And then literally all the ones I started writing down was just Marvel movies where it was like Four: The Dark World, Fantastic Four, Rise of Silver Surfer, Spider-Man, Far From Home. And I was like, See, these movies all suck. I was thinking of a lot of rom-coms. Oh, there's a yeah, lot of like rom-coms. Notting Hill, I, yeah. Sliding oh, Doors. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. like Hugh Grant's in a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but everybody in them at least pretends to be British. Yeah. It's true. Uh, what's your final question there, Dory? Which death scene gave you the biggest smile or shock? 
you've already you've already mentioned it. It's the bit where old Fahak or whatever gets out of the boot of the car, then runs off, and then jumps onto the train tracks. Yeah, that's I did not see that coming, and I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. I thought we were all going to agree that it was when she shot them with her tiny little gun. That was the best part of the movie. Yeah. I was like, oh, something's happening. That was, that, I, I completely forgot about that. I, I, <laughs> In the last 10 minutes of us talking, I completely forgot. Yeah, that as, I was up weighing up, as I was weighing up all these death scenes, I was like, oh, which one was the best? Yeah. Because <laughs> they all sort of got me. To, like, And that's when you start really questioning yourself is when everyone who dies, you're like, ha, 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 just chuckling away at people dying and then like, Ooh, am I twisted or is the movie <laughs> twisted? They set us up for failure because when they had the funny little shooting scene and then it turned into an assault and I was like, still like, oh, haha, Matthew's going to save her. Oh no, something else is happening. Yeah. Yeah. That was a dramatic shift, you know, yeah. to, to go from just like, hey, we're here to, you know, like destroy your business and murder you sort of thing to, oh, by the way, while I'm here, I get a f- opportunity yeah. knocks. You know, yeah. Like, what the, what the yeah. fuck was that? That was weird. I felt that was a bit too strange. Uh, yeah, it was weird. And that moves me over to my questions. Now, Emily mentioned this, and I s- sort of had a bit of a chat with Dory about it. But uh, look, I lived in London. I don't mean to brag, but uh, I lived in London. I lived in London. <laughs> very worldly. Very worldly. I get around. I went from one English-speaking country to another English-speaking country. That's how like crazy and out there I am. But I lived in London for six years. I hung out with people like this. Maybe not people that fuck pigs. But I hang out with people like these guys that were in, they were basically in this film that chatted like these guys. And I struggled to understand what they were saying a lot of the time. And I oh, want to know good. from you guys, what percentage of the dialogue do you guys reckon you could, you guys understood? All of it? Oh. Really? What? There wasn't a bit in the movie that I was like, wait, what did he say? There was one what that, the- no. When, um, Colin Farrell was talking about the, the pig scene, he's like, I made a film last night. And he sort of said, what was that? he said film a couple of times. I was like, does he mean film? And he did. But that was the only time I was like, hold up. He said that really strange. Okay. But other than that, no, I, I got all of it. All the slang. All of it. You know what a bobble is? No. Exactly. Okay. Next, <laughs> next person, Emily, what about you? Okay. I didn't understand the first 40 minutes probably and then it was hit or miss so i would say i understood 20 percent of the film i understood when the lady talked because she enunciated like very aggressively and only said maybe four words <laughs> and i understood when henry golding talked but all of hugh grant's narration did not i did not hear any of it i learned so much about the movie reading about it after being like oh is that what they were doing yeah, I'm with you. Like, yeah, it was just a bit of Cockney slang that even I was having, like, struggling to keep up with. Anywho, that moves me over to my next question. So, in this film, everyone seems like a complete and utter badass. You know, like, Michael's a badass, Ray's a badass, Dry Eye's a badass, and Coach is also a badass. I want to know from you guys, like, just based on their movie characters, who do you, if you guys got into a fist fight against one of them, who do you guys reckon you'd stand the best chance against? Uh, I'd go with Dry Eye. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He's scary. He is scary, but I mean, they're all kind of scary. Like, this is a gangster movie. Yeah. No, no, no one's sort of half assed here, but I think that Dry Eye just seems like a little bitch coming up. You know, he's the up and comer. He's just so highly strung that I just think you could throw him off real easily with just a little eye gouge or something that he wouldn't see coming, you know? Kick to the deck or it's just something. <laughs> you would fight dirty. I could imagine oh, you in a street fight against someone. Of course I would. Just like fucking like survival instinct kicks in and you're just like, 
I'm just going to destroy this guy any way, any shape way or form. I can. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And as yeah. I'm biting his penis, everyone will be like, "Ooh, that's gay," and I'll be like, "No, no, no, it's normal." <laughs> You'd be like, "Won that fight?" Exactly. But how much did you lose? I would fight Coach because I felt like I felt like his body shape under his tracksuit was nebulous. Like I didn't know what was happening under there, and I feel like it wasn't good. So I feel like he might be a little tired. Maybe I could knock him out. He did pretty good against <laughs> those three street kids. He had a gun. No, he didn't. When did he fight? Oh. Right at the start. At the- <laughs> Emily's deleted this movie from her memory. This yeah. is brilliant. Right at the start when he's ordering a burger and they come in and he's like, who smells like weed? And he knocks the knife out of the kid's hand. The or- kid's try to stab him with a knife and he's like sitting there. And then they're like, wait, are you the coach? Oh my God, we got knocked out by coach. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, she can't remember. No, I don't remember any of that. But he just everybody everybody else is too scary. He's the least scary. I get that. Anywho, that moves me down to my final question, which is basically at the end of this film, it sort of leaves in an ambiguous sort of way. Like Fletcher's basically pissed off the wrong people, but at the same time, he's given them enough information so that they don't get murdered by an angry Russian mob. But then he's off selling the story to Miramax. And I want to know from you guys, what do you guys reckon happened to Fletcher after these credits rolled? Because Charlie Hunnam picks him up. It's clearly taking him back to uh, Matthew McConaughey. That's enough to trigger Matthew McConaughey and Shell Dockery's characters to want to have sex. But uh, what happened? What happened to Fletcher? What happened next to him? I think you'd employ him. I think he's fucking good at what he does. And I think you'd just want that sort of guy on your side. I think they would give him the opportunity of of turning his, his uh, resource you know, his skills to good. Well, in their their opinion. Yeah, okay. Or he, they're going to kill him, which he pretty much realizes anyway. That's why he's on the run. <laughs> but you'd want to utilize it before you'd kill it. Like, yeah. I hope he would go back to his real accent. Uh, and then he would do very well in the Hollywood, like, studio system. He's set. He can move to Beverly Hills and have a nice house and sell his dumb script and just have, like, a bunch of young boys live with him. Fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> That's an interesting answer. Um, like, it begs another question of two of, you know, you've managed to get away from this awkward predicament that you've been in. Why would you then go and sell the fucking script of everything that you've just done? Yeah. Like, why are you not just on the run? Like, why would you make yourself in the public eye? I think Because he wants it. Yeah. yeah. It, there's an ego aspect to his character, which really sort of, he thinks he's smarter than everyone else. He does. He sells the story to the journalists. He then sells it to the gangsters themselves. And then he sells it to a movie making company. Like, he thinks he's always one step ahead. And I think that. They said, Dippy do what they say when they were doubling up on something. Double E's. Double bobble? Bubble, yes. (laughs) He said that about 18 times. He, like, (laughs) double sold the script. He double bubbled. Exactly. Definitely double wobbled, whatever the fuck that means. And that moves us down to our final question, which we held open for our new Patreon, Mr. Christini. Unfortunately, Chris has not gotten a question to us. However, we're going to use this time to say, thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for becoming our new Patreon. You're the man. Very much appreciate it. Because Chris hasn't given us a question this week, we are going to just throw out like a sort of generic question. Now, like, do we, like, I, I think based on this podcast, I think this is just one movie, and maybe it's an anomaly. Maybe you guys do sync up a lot more than you realize. So what I'm, what I'm going to do for a question here is I want to know from you guys, what are your top three like crime comedy movies? 
Because, like, like, for instance, for me, like, Snatch is obviously one of my highest ones. 21 Jump Street, absolutely love that. And recently, like, The Nice Guys, that's really enjoyed that film. Can I throw a Beverly Hills Cop out there? You can throw a Beverly Hills Cop out there. That's a good one. Yeah. What? Okay, Miss Congeniality yeah, counts. There you go. She's FBI. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that works. I feel like you guys are at polar opposites, but continue. Yeah, yeah <laughs> struggling for more. Um, Ocean's 8. Ocean's 11. Oh, Ocean's oh yeah, 8. okay. Ocean's 8 and Ocean's 11 and Miss Congeniality. <laughs> are those all your favorite stories? Yeah, those are the ones <laughs> you like to read. No, it wasn't what, what straight away came to mind. I'm not even getting much inspiration. Wild from... things. They oh, do a crime. There you go. Yay, we found some middle ground. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Let's go back to Nev Campbell. <laughs> Our middle ground is, is Nev Campbell. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, look, well, looks like we established some sort of uh, common ground there between you guys over the joy that is Wild Things, which is a film that yeah. we're, we're going to have to do at some point in the future, Emily. We'll definitely have you back for that. But um, if people want to hear more about you between now and then, why don't you tell us all about yourself and your podcast? Me? Yes. Not Dory? No, not Dory. Okay. Dory doesn't have shit that I'm talking about. Uh, okay, I plugged Tasteless earlier, but I will say... When you are listening to this, Tasteless has launched a bonus series called Strong Female Leads, where instead of talking by myself, yelling about movies I like, I'm having on strong women from movies I like. And the first episode has Kristana Loken of Terminator 3. I'm very proud, very excited. Uh, so go listen to it so that I look like more people should come on my show. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find it at Tasteless on any podcast app, tastelesspod.com at tasteless pod on social media it's there awesome cool yeah i'll have some links in the show notes uh yeah thanks again for coming on emily you're always a blast and it's been good to see you two hate and argue over this film oh now you guys have been quite reserved quite nice to each other a lot of expectation coming in yeah <laughs> can't help but feel slightly I... disappointed oh. but at the same time i feel like you know there there is embers to which we could grow into something <laughs> sort of amazing Oh, how sweet. And this was not a full hatred of the jo- I didn't understand what happened, but I don't feel like how I feel about the Joker where I'm furious with you. I'm happy <laughs> for you that you like the gentleman. I'm glad. That's nice. Yeah, I think if me and you did an episode on Ocean's 8, it would pretty much have the same response here. Emily, Ooh. I couldn't stand that in film. But at the same time, it's still like a 3,500 or something like that. It's, yeah. We don't need what? Okay, we can't get into that. <laughs> on that note, uh, thank you everyone for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In. You can find us on Facebook at Movie Reviews In Twenty Qs, and you can find uh, fire us over an email at mritqs at gmail dot com. Anyway, that's thanks from me. Ciao. Goodbye. Cool. That's not how a person says bye. No, it's not at all. Who cares? <laughs>